Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Christian Cape, a Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. Christian, good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing all right. We're trying to figure out uh, how, well, basically how magical Chris Peterson is. Can he pull a rabbit out of a hat? A team that just lost a lot of guys, especially off defense, and just run them right back out there and win a third conference title in four years. How realistic is that? relatively realistic um it does seem that they're to the point in the chris peterson era where yeah no matter what they lose people just kind of assume that that they're going to be a good team and one of the best teams in the pac 12 kind of until further notice um i do think that there are a lot of pieces to like um this is in terms of the you know if you took the average recruiting ranking out of high school of every player on the roster, this is the most talented roster that they've had. Uh, it's just that the majority of those four-star blue-chip type recruits are in the true freshman and redshirt freshman classes. So um, I think there's a lot of young talent. There's a number of those young guys who are going to have to play big roles this year. Um, there's a lot of guys, especially on the defensive front seven from that 2018 signing class. So I think they're going to have to rely on a lot, obviously, um, everybody's going to talk about the quarterback position, and, and that's a very intriguing battle right now between Jacob Eason and Jake Hayner. I think most still assume Jacob Eason's going to emerge from that and, and be their starter and um, kind of already starting to think about some of the things that, that he can do for the passing game that maybe Jake Browning couldn't. But I think there's going to be a learning curve there. and um, This is going to be a team that, again, is going to – rely on its running game offensively and and rely on I think what they think could still be a pretty stout defense so then speak about Eason as far as his credentials we know he's a local guy and then went off to Georgia and you know you listen to people talk and read stuff and you just mentioned it yourself about being better than Browning at what level is he going to be better what I mean by that is he going to be a better thrower better runner how long is it going to take for him to get to where those expectations are met all those types of things yeah I think what people look at the most is just the arm talent and the fact that this is a guy who is a legitimate six foot six you know 227 pound NFL looking quarterback and then you add to that that he's you know he can can throw the ball 60 yards down the field with the flick of a wrist and it just looks really really easy coming off of his hand um, you know there were a lot of things that Jake Browning could do as a four-year starter in that offense that I'm not sure any new quarterback is going to be able to just pick up from day one um, in terms of a lot of the pre-snap stuff and just how much uh, autonomy he had to to move things around and check in and out of running plays and check protections and, and get them into the right play. Um, he was really good at that, and he could handle about as much as any quarterback is ever going to be able to handle in Chris Peterson's offense from that perspective. So I don't expect Jacob Eason or, or anybody to be where Browning was in that regard. But, you know, I think just opening up the middle of the field, having a guy with with a strong arm who can fit the ball into tight windows and um, yeah, having an attitude at which is what they want of giving receivers chances to make plays and not necessarily needing a guy to be wide, wide open by two whole steps before delivering it. But Hey, if you've got man coverage with a a Ty Jones or a Hunter Bryant or an Aaron Fuller, put the ball up and, and give him a chance to go, go catch that and and, and make a tough play. So um, I I think it's going to take a little while for him to sort of settle into his groove. You know, by the time, the opener comes around it'll have been basically two years since he last started a game at quarterback but 
Um, you know, I, I think the physical talent is there, and there, there's a lot of reason, I think, for people to be excited about what he can do once he settles in. So Puka Dakua went to school at Orem High School here uh, on the Wasatch Front, and I've seen you tweeting about him. Has he just hit the ground running and just been awesome up there, and he'll be another wide receiver that got away from the local schools that will irritate fans here? <laughs> yeah, he, he just might. Um, I think uh, folks down there, from, from talking to them, you know, since he committed to Washington, have, have kind of said that, He's a guy they really expect to be a first-year impact type of player. Whether he starts or not, you know, we'll see. And, and it's a long season, and, and certainly he could work his way toward that lineup. But I wouldn't be surprised if his name was on the depth chart um, when it came out, whenever that, that happens. I think, you know, he's you, you see how easy some of the tough catches for are, are for him and, and just how much that catch radius shows up. He just is, is clearly a, a very... Uh, instinctive player um, doesn't doesn't fight the ball. He comes into his hands smoothly. Uh, sounded like he had a pretty good scrimmage um, in front of the, the season ticket holders that they held the other day. And you know, I'm I'd be interested to see him go up against the ones and the twos more. I think you know, we media got to see five days of practice, and he was mostly with the threes, I believe. But um, you know, he looked good. And anytime Chris Peterson is asked to single out players. And, and he says a player's name, um, I put a lot of stock in that because he's, like a lot of coaches, is kind of loath to, to give you a list of standouts. But yesterday when, when he was asked, you know, who their true freshmen were, who were really standing out, Puka Nakua was one of the three guys he, he named. So, um, you know, I think that you, you're seeing everything that you kind of heard about his reputation as a player in high school, and um, it looks like it's translating pretty well, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays this year. So defensively, you look at Washington, and it seems that if you're going to point to one question mark, it's that that side of the ball with only two full-time starters returning. But at the same time, you know, they got a couple linebackers who are coming back from injury who've had experience, so it's a little bit more than two. And then also the DBs. I mean, it just seems like that is an assembly factory. If you want to be a defensive back in the NFL, you come to Washington. I think like four of the five last year gone to the NFL and obviously Miles Bryant is back and he's probably going to get there himself so how many serious question marks are there on defense because I'm expecting these guys to be good again yeah I think that the front six I probably you know I catch myself saying front seven they play a base nickel so it's really like a, a front six um, is, they, they've got some depth issues there and they, they do have bodies um, you know, it's not like they, they don't have enough guys to roll through there. They just don't have much experience depth. So you lose Ben Burkirvin and Tevis Bartlett up the middle at linebacker. Uh, but you do have Brandon Wellington back. He's a senior. You know, he's, I think, a strong candidate to lead them in tackles this year. He's healthy again after um, he came back from an ACL injury to play in 10 games last year, started the last two. Um, you know, they've got a, a fifth-year senior, Kyler Manu, who hasn't really played a lot of football next to him and then a couple of, of redshirt freshmen kind of behind them on the depth so you, you see where where the the inexperience shows up a little bit and then on the defensive front you know they've moved Benning Potswai inside he played outside linebacker for the first three years of his career so I think you can pair him with Levi Onzerike who um, you know could sort of be their their next D-line star who started five games last year pretty disruptive guy in the backfield I think you pair him with Potawa'e probably um, as the starting duo, but 
you know, Ikaika Malloy, the, the D-line coach, likes to rotate a ton of personnel through there. So I'm, I'm sure you'll see five or six guys regularly playing those two interior spots. Um, you know, Josiah Bronson, a fifth-year senior, former walk-on who, who just earned a scholarship. I think he's going to be in the rotation. Um, and then a pair of, of redshirt freshmen, um, Tuli Latuli Nasanoa and, and Taki Taimani, who were both four-star guys in the 2018 class that they felt really good about, who you know played just a little bit last year in a couple games while maintaining their redshirt status. Um, you know, I think those are, are sort of the, the two guys who are next in line in that that big run stopper, clog the middle role. So. You know that's that's five guys they feel good about. They, they just lost John Clark, another senior, um, to a, a season-ending knee injury. Um, like Bronson, he had just turned a scholarship, so and pretty disappointing news for him in, in his last year. So that that certainly hurts the depth a little bit. But um, you know, I, I think that that's another position where you're going to see some young guys play. So. I'm curious what the fan base and the administration expects out of Washington football. Are they at the point where this is kind of a rebuilding year and and anybody who wants it better go get the conference title this year? Are they really set up to be good next year? And is that good enough, or do people want them to just reload and be there every year? And you know, preseason predictions don't have them that far away this year. Yeah, I think that it's reached the point where the expectation is that they will be competing for the North Division title every year. Um and, you know, I think that, let alone Washington's fans, that's nearly the expectation for media covering the conference. I mean, they were one point behind Oregon in the north in the preseason media poll. So, you know, I, I just think until they go through uh, sort of a, a downward cycle, the assumption is just going to be that Chris Peterson and Washington are going to be right there. Now, if they slip a bit and, you know, let's say they, they go 8-4 and four or something like that, they're not at a point where that's just unforgivable and no one can possibly see that coming or accept it um, just because, you know, they do have a, a new starting quarterback. They do have a lot of starters to replace defensively. I think it would be understandable if they took a slight step back, but um, the, the vibe around the program is that it's trending up. And whether that means they're going to win 10, 11 games again this year or not, yeah, going into 2021, 20 or 2020 2021 2022 i think that's when people really expect this program to sort of hit that sweet spot and then and really sort of take things to the next level based on the way that they've recruited and performed so far so oregon's offensive line is getting a ton of run as the best in the conference but you look at washington and they return four starters and then the guy they don't return was supposed to be as a starter anyway uh because of injury was Trey Adams and he was supposed to be a high pick and so I assume he's healthy and he's going to slide in there at left tackle with that in mind I know they lose Miles Gaskin and Ahmad is back as a Ahmed is back as a runner but I'm wondering does it really matter as long as they have a decent running back with that offensive line they should have success moving the ball on the ground yeah that's like I've kind of been saying recently that as much attention and rightfully so as there is on the, the quarterback battle and and you know people pondering what Jacob Eason might mean for this offense I think this is going to be a team that runs the heck out of the ball and really relies on that to set up everything else just like they did when they had Miles Gaskin um, you know Savan Ahmed is a different back than Gaskin I think it remains to be seen whether he's a, a true you know handed to him 20 times a game between the tackles type runner um, certainly he's one of the more explosive players in the conference when you get him in space and 
he's been outstanding outside the tackles and taking the ball on on reverses and on fly sweeps and, and he's the kind of guy you can you can run quick screen passes for and then all those sorts of things but um, other than him they also have Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant who are a couple of juniors who have gotten some significant playing time uh, last year and have been relied on in, in some pretty big spots and come through for them. So yeah, I think that, you know, obviously you don't replace a, a guy like Miles Gaskin, the, the school's all-time leading rusher, um, you know, with, with just one guy and, and call it good. But as you said, they've got as veteran and experienced and talented of, of an offensive line as Chris Peterson has ever had at Washington. And they've got a trio of running backs who have played a bunch. And, you know, Ahmed, I think, is, is pretty clearly the number one option there, and, and he's going to be the number one guy for the first time in his career, so it'll be interesting to see how he sort of adapts to that role. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot to like about their running game, and, and you're right, it, it does start up front. We're joined right now by the Washington Huskies beat writer for The Athletic, Christian Capel. He's joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. You know, watching the Pac-12 title game, Chris Peterson seemed really reluctant to kick field goals. And if you look, and I went back and looked at the stats for Peyton Henry, uh, he was decent, but it was all inside of 40 yards. They really didn't want to give him anything outside of there. Is he – what's the state of the kicking game going forward, and is Chris Peterson go for it on fourth down guy, touchdowns or bust, or where's this going? Yeah, I think that when they signed Tim Horn, who is a pretty highly touted kicker out of Hawaii um, in this 2019 class, the expectation is you know, that's kind of the one spot where if you use a scholarship on a guy, you expect him to compete right away as a freshman. Um, and that, that's happened. You know, I think he's been given an opportunity right alongside uh, Peyton Henry in camp. Sounded like they both had a pretty good day at the scrimmage the other day. Um, I, I expect Peyton Henry to, to hold on to that job. You know, it's, it, last year it's kind of a, uh, interesting to analyze for him, right? I mean, he was 16 of 22, which you would never say is bad for a, a redshirt freshman to walk on. Um, but yeah, you, you look at the distance, and his long was 41. Obviously, he missed the 37 yarder that they could have won the game at Oregon, and that's sort of the kick everybody remembers. And then it did seem like after that. There, there wasn't a lot of faith from Chris Peterson when it came, you know, okay, it's, it's fourth down and, and you're sort of in that, you know, 34 to 40-yard to range. You, you sort of did see them go for it more, it seemed like, especially in that Pac-12 championship game. So I think that the, the next step for Peyton Henry um, or whoever it is, I do think it's going to be Henry, but you never know, and, and things could always change as the season progresses as well. But, you know, the next step is just finding a guy – who you can rely on to go out there and and try it from 38 to 44 yards and and feel comfortable he's going to make it. And that was just something they didn't have last year. They didn't really have that the year before. So I think that's sort of the the next step for them in the kicking game. And I, I do expect Peyton Henry to get first crack at it here. So when you talk about the state of the program, couldn't I argue that it's in the best state since Don James in the early 90s? No, I don't think there's any question. Um, you know, if you look at what they've what they've tangibly accomplished on the field. It's two conference titles in three years, three consecutive New Year's Six bowl games. Um, you know, they've they've won ten or more games in three consecutive years, which is something that had never happened in the history of the program. Uh, throw a little bit of an asterisk on that because they you know they're playing thirteen and fourteen games, but uh, you, you know they've recruited I think at a higher level than they have 
consistently in, in this sort of modern recruiting era. Um, they've steadily risen in, in the class rankings. They just signed 15 four-star recruits in, in their most recent class, which was something that was sort of unheard of in, in any of the time between Don James and Chris Peterson. So, yeah, you know, the, the next step certainly is winning one of those big New Year's Six Bowl games and, and beating one of those sort of elite national brands on a national big-time primetime stage. That's something that has eluded them so far, but um, just the, the way that things are trending with recruiting, the games they've already won, the, the conference championships they've already won, yeah, I mean, there, there's no question this is as, as healthy as the program has been any time since the early 90s, and it's, it's not really close. It looks like Oregon and Washington might be peaking at the same time. That's been one of the better rivalries. It hasn't been, you know, cross town or, uh, you know, inside a state. So are we ready for Washington Oregon to become the kind of game that game day shows up for? Are these two programs poised, you think, to be really good at the same time for a while? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think you talk about how Washington is recruited. Well, Oregon just signed the, the seventh best class in the country in, in 2019. And, you know, they're uh, a major presence in Southern California. Took a, a bit of a step last year. I think after they beat Washington, folks sort of expected them to maybe seize the control of the north a little bit more or at least make themselves a player in the north and then obviously things fizzled and they weren't there at the end but you know they've, they've got all the pieces back this year it seems like they've recruited at a high enough level in the last few classes to to keep it going and now it's just a matter of hey can can mario cristobal and that staff develop that talent um you know replace you know even looking into the future past this year and can they find a, a suitable replacement for justin herbert at quarterback and um, you know, can can they just sort of plug and play with the way that Washington has the last few years? So, yeah, I think that rivalry is sort of entering a, a new era that, that could be really, really fun where, you know, hey, maybe the, the Pac-12 North title has to run through Eugene or Seattle every year for the foreseeable future. Well, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for joining us here, Christian, to uh, get us up to speed on the Washington Huskies. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Christian Cable, Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. Pac-12 champions twice in three years. Can they reload on the fly and make it three out of four? That is the question for the Huskies. All right, Sports Jeopardy is coming up next. Our defending champion, Steve, is scaring everybody, PK. He is. Yep, we don't have a challenger. The challenger... Back canceled off? out. Yeah, I don't know. Canceled. I'm giving, I'm giving Steve credit. I don't know. Maybe just something came up, you know. Boss said we need you in for we'll just go with Need you in for an 8.30 meeting. Off, yeah. No, you can't be on the phone with DJ and PK playing your little games. I don't know. I don't know what came up for. So, we're looking for a challenger right now. Yacht called people, uh, you know, who are in line, who entered, and uh, they all said no. So, basically, we got a wild card spot. You know, it's like a Monday qualifier for the PGA Tour or something. Call right now. Yacht will uh, try to determine your credentials. Number one, you have to have a pulse. Number two... You have to be able to dial the phone number, 855 And number three, then, you know, if you sound like you got your act together, uh, maybe he'll pick you. 855-340-ZONE. Defending champion Steve is counting on one of you to show up. So why don't you try 855-340-ZONE now, and we will, uh, we'll do Sports Jeopardy next. Hans Olsen talking college football with us at 9 o'clock on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo posted a 0.0 quarterback rating in his preseason debut. He was one of six for zero yards, and he threw an interception. Uh, Niners beat the Broncos 24-15 in Monday Night Football. Former BYU defensive back Kai Nakua signed a free agent deal with the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. Ohio State named Georgia transfer Justin Fields as their starting quarterback. Oklahoma named Alabama transfer Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback. Clemson is atop the AP Top 25 poll for the first time in school history. Five Pac-12 teams are ranked. Oregon at 11, Washington at 13, Utah at 14. Salt Lake Bees losing Tacoma 8-3. Game 2 tonight, 8 o'clock. Listen to it on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus... No one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. The Big Show. Joining us now, quarterback for BYU, Zach Wilson. What do you need to improve on going into your sophomore year? Just taking that step from stage one to stage two. Going from a freshman quarterback to one of the best sophomore quarterbacks in the country. I just need to progress mentally and, of course, physically. My arm will eventually get to where it needs to be, and then I'll be pushing myself to the standards of becoming more accurate, maybe stronger arm, better pocket presence, more confidence in the pocket. All those things will come, but I think mentally is the biggest steps I've tried to take, and that's just watching tons of film and trying to make things that maybe were harder for me last year just second nature and it's just doing the things that most guys can't do as a freshman and making them look easy as a sophomore if you've missed any of the big show go to 1280thezone.com this is the big show on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network think you know sports all right smart guy time to put that knowledge to the test it's time for another edition of Sports Jeopardy with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We have found our challenger. Our defending champion is Steve. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. I, I, I have a feeling that this is uh, you're bringing in a ringer this time. <laughs> a ringer. This is not cool. Uh, Neil bailed out on us. We don't know why. He might have had a good reason. He might have had a lame excuse. It could be somewhere in between. Cameron has stepped into the void. Cameron has literally walked in off the street. Cameron, good morning. Good morning, DJ. And I think I've already lied to you because you didn't walk in off the street. You phoned in off the street. Ready to go. Ready to take on Steve. Take on the topic. All right, here we go. Today's topic, nine days before the season opener. Today's topic is season openers. Our defending champ, Steve, goes first. Steve, question number one. BYU has won this many season openers in a row. Five, four, three, two, one. Steve. Oh. Steve. Boy, I will. Yes. What's the answer? Can you hear me? Yes, not yet. Uh, seven. Seven. No. Oh, our challenger Cameron right away with a chance to steal. Cameron? Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to say three. If only you two had averaged that out, the correct answer is five. They won five in a row. All right. Cameron, question number two. BYU is 11-1 in the last 12 season openers. This is the only school to defeat the Cougars in an opener since 2006. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to say USC. Steve, our champ can steal. 
five, four, three, two, one. Well, I would say uh, Utah. PK. What? Do you remember the one opener they dropped? Since when? Since 2006. 2006. I don't know that you were at this game. I think you were, but I, I'm not positive. I would say who is Alabama? Virginia. Virginia in the rain. They threw a late pick. They threw pick. a late pick, yeah. Shouldn't have been throwing the ball to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're scoreless. We go to round three. Back to our defending champion, Steve. Steve, perhaps you'll do better with the Utes. Utah has won this many season openers in a row. Five, four, three, two, one. I would say 11. At a kid. Look at you go. All right, Cameron, the challenger. The last team to beat the Utes in a season opener went on to post a 9-4 and four record. But this school has won just nine football games in the last four years. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I'm going to say Weber State. No, Utah State. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> okay. Steve, you got it? Five, okay. four, three, two, one. I don't think I caught the whole question. Uh, uh, the last team to beat the Utes in the season opener went on to post a 9-4 and four record, but this school has won just nine football games in the last four years. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, Idaho geez. State. No. State hasn't been Oregon State. It is Oregon State. PK, well done. Question five. It's one to nothing. Champion Steve. Kyle Whittingham's teams have beaten these two schools twice in season openers. Five, four, three, two, one. Is that me, PK? Steve. It's you. Oh, Steve. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. All right, Cameron? Uh, SUU? <laughs> no. It's Utah State and Michigan. So there it is. Steve grinds out a one nothing win. Cameron, thanks for stepping into the breach. Uh, you get fabulous parting gifts. You got that going for you. Steve, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. All right, sounds good, guys. All right. Openers, PK, there's been tons of success. 11 in a row for the Utes and 11 out of 12 for the Cougars. And now they square off. Yeah, they do. Somebody will drop the opener. It's been rare lately. They've usually been very good in openers. Yeah, but I think in this case, you know, if you're playing a cream puff, not that they've always played cream puffs because that hasn't been the case. BYU's openers have been pretty good. Utah's openers, it's been 50-50. Right. They haven't always played cream puffs. And I, I do think that the loser of this game still has plenty to play for this is not a devastating loss as far as your season if it's BYU oh my gosh well yeah again if it's Utah oh all these dreams and aspirations you guys just tripped all over yourselves not necessarily true we can still go on and have a great season I mean I think it would be a more devastating blow for Utah to lose 
because the expectations are high. I, I think well, the expectation they're is they're going to win the game, and then the expectation is they're going to be in the conference title game and maybe win that too. So dropping the opener is not the right way to kick this thing off. But you're still 0-0 zero and zero in conference no matter what you do these first three games. So. Yeah, and you'll win the next two, so there's plenty of time. It's just that it would take a little bit of steam out of – Maybe a lot of steam out of all this preseason hype of asking every national guy, how good do you think the Utes are going to be? Jeez. Get me to turn the radio. Ask that question. Uh, But there's still plenty of time to recover. Um, Because I I don't see them losing. But if they did, as long as they didn't get worked, as long as either – if one of the teams gets worked, which I think logically we would include – conclude that BYU would be the more likely of the two to get worked since Utah has not been worked by BYU and I can't remember the last time. Uh, we looked and, it up. It was 96. It was the Cotton Bowl team. Yeah, that's a long, long time ago in football terms. So don't anticipate that. But even if they, if BYU did get worked, then it would be, oh man, here we go again. But I believe that they can draw a lot of momentum going forward because if I'm this football program I'm trying to find ways to win eight games and this isn't necessary to win this game to win eight games and particularly if you play well you can play well and lose and it happens plenty of times you play well and lose there's really something to build upon there's no moral victory in the rivalry but the season isn't about the rivalry the rivalry is about the rivalry but the season the is. The season's about finding a way to get to seven, eight, nine wins. I think it's a way to get eight, eight wins. Eight. eight for us. Yeah. But everybody can draw their own conclusions. Well, for me, but eight for us. For me, it's eight. And so you can build a lot of momentum if they lose off a com- of this game. If they lose a competitive game yeah. to Utah, yeah. Yeah. then given what, the rest of their, what we think the rest of their schedule looks like, maybe it looks I like I can that, argue Utah's the toughest team on their schedule. You can. And so if that's a close game, then eight seems to be in play. Yeah, if they look good playing, they move the ball, uh, make a couple of mistakes after moving the ball. Those things happen. So, and if they uh, if they win, then eight's definitely in play and is nine. I'm still staying eight. I'm going eight all the way because if if you get eight, okay, but logically eight, eight you, gets uh, you, new contracts, right? But logically, I'm staying eight. If we said right now BYU's eight and four, how do they get there? You pencil in an L for Utah. Probably okay. an L probably an L for Washington. And then there'd probably be debate, but you could scatter a couple of L's different places on the schedule. The reason why I say eight with a win, just hypothetically for argument's sake, they beat the Utes mm-hmm. and why I still say eight. It's because they haven't been worked many times by Utah. And they've had what we would view as talently, talentedly inferior teams to Utah, but yet took them down right to the end. So this team, this is Kalani's most talented team. Now you could argue that first year. Well, they really weren't his guys. Now he's got most of the guys that are playing or guys that he brought in. You know, with missions and gray shirts and red shirts and blah, 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 there's probably some people who were recruited by Bronco, but I'm not going to go through that roster and figure that out. It doesn't really matter. The bulk of the roster is his guys. 
So this is his most talented team, recognizing that they won nine games that first year. And the last couple years, the games have been close. So I expect the game to be close this year. And so if they should win, it's a rivalry game and things happen. Crazy things happen. So that doesn't, I'm not going to be one of these guys, well, if they win, now they should just roll through September. I'm not going to be one of those guys because I recognize in a rivalry, things happen that don't traditionally happen. Whatever the circumstances. I'm looking at you, Michigan State, blocking a punt to beat Michigan. Weird stuff happens. Yeah, the Devils last year down 19, entering the fourth quarter was, on the road. Wasn't there a game that was decided because uh, Two both, extra points both missed. teams yeah. Yeah, blocked? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that just doesn't happen. Right. It's a, it's a rivalry weirdness. You yeah, get all that you. emotion. And- right. So that's why I don't project, oh, well, I'm not going to ratchet up the expectations just because they won the game. To me, a legitimate goal is eight wins, with or without. And if they get it, great. But I'm not going to up it. I'm going to be excited for them, but I'm not going to up it because they still have to play a number of quality teams and things happen. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Listen Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to Hart. You sign Amphitheater. It'll be rocking when Hart brings their Love Alive tour with special guests Joan Jett and the Blackhearts to town August 30th. You'll not want to miss this show. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty Wednesday, noon to 3, 1899 West Traverse Parkway in Lehigh. Customers that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple device while supplies last. Talking dreams today, PK. Who's got them? What are they? There's what you want, there's what you hope for, and there's what you dream of. Yeah, I think now's the time for dreams. You quizzed me on this. I think it's pretty clear what the Utes and the Aggies are dreaming of, conference championships. Utes don't have a Pac-12 title. Aggies don't have a Mountain West title. Aggies pick second in their division. Utes pick first, so it's within reach. It's not crazy. Dream. Conference title. I think you got to dream more than that, though. For the Utes playoffs? Oh, for sure. For the Aggies' New Year's Six? Yeah, I think those are two dreams that have to be within your realm of dreaming not just I don't want to say settle for a conference title because I don't really mean that but when we're talking about dream you're up in your game because those should be goals to me goals are something that are extremely achievable achievable dreams are something better I dreamed I literally dreamed of being a sports talk show host and look at you now baby and it's a long road you dream of doing it on TV? Or you exceeded your dreams? I Well, I was always interested first in radio. Mm-hmm. And then 
after I saw others do television. I thought, well, heck, I, can, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I I've come that. this far. <laughs> so, I, I my my initial dream was radio. I thought, man, that was where my talents, if I had any, that's where they lied. And so, my whole goal, even as a sports writer, was still a dream to be a radio guy. It wasn't to be a sports writer. It was to be a, a radio person and to do that. And then you saw so many folks. Making transfer, the jump. right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. If they ask me, I can do it. And then I made myself available. I I tried to let guys like Dave Fox know, hey, if you need somebody, uh, I can come on. To the point of one time he wanted me to come on on a Sunday, and I was in Arizona flying back. The flight got canceled or delayed. Excuse me, got delayed to where I couldn't get back. I bought a ticket on another flight, and I had dress clothes that I was going to wear. But I had planned to go home and change and then go out. You guys were out mm-hmm. on the west side then. I had my wife meet me at like 9.30 when the flight got in. With the change? In the parking lot at the airport, the long-term parking. She uh. brought the clothes. I told her where the car was. She met me at the car, and I changed. And then drove over and did it and I to try to right, break yeah. in. Yeah. And always made myself available. And then obviously I good, got it. Good strategy. Yeah. So that that was a secondary dream. The first dream was radio. So what's the dream for the Cougars? It's not as clear cut as an independent. Rick's I've, on the. I've, o- I've got after we got done with Rick, okay. I've got something. Rick's on the open mic. I'm dreaming of being able to go to work and face my coworker Utah fans, and tell them that we beat them all season long. <laughs> Yep. That'd be nice. We, we were discussing this an hour ago, uh, for those of you who weren't commuting yet and hadn't heard. But, and I threw out there, well, they're dreaming of beating Utah. They really want to end the streak. And then you pointed out, okay, but they need a dream for the season. What's the dream? I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I do. Ten wins, and that's a dream? I think something that they haven't had in a number of years. And it's, it's simple, but it hasn't been achieved. You turn on something some national spiel on one of these deals. There's a bunch of them now. And in November, people are talking about BYU football. That's the dream. Yeah. To be relevant in November. Have people talk about you. They've been relevant early in the year. You know, they beat Nebraska on a Hail Mary, and it's just all over the place. You couldn't avoid it. And then they doubled down with Boise State the next week. And, And there have been other moments. The Wisconsin win on the road, obviously. Tanner Mangum had one of the more uh, bizarre college football careers. <laughs> yeah, that's of, true. Of, of anybody. That's not how you graph a college football career. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Benjamin Button yeah. career. I mean, right Start off out the bat. high and go down from there. And then yet it, you, it's true. And then at the end of his uh, time, he's beating Wisconsin out on the road. So good for him. He's a great kid. Uh, but I think that for these guys, if they can find folks – Give them reason to talk about them. If it's even if the record isn't startling, but Zach Wilson's just lighting it up, throwing for 350 yards a game, and catching people's attention when they list promising quarterbacks, they mention somebody from BYU. There's you know, something, something right, out anything there. Anything gets them out there. Yeah, because they haven't been talked about in November, and it's been a downer for Cougar fans at that time because they don't have a conference race to be jazzed about. They can't play spoiler. Now I've got my dream. It all came into focus. I can't believe I didn't have this earlier. 
They'll be pulling out the old video of the 52-52 game and Marshall Falk and the 45-38, and it'll be all the Detmer-Falk stuff. It'll be 11-0 San Diego State and 11-0 BYU, the season finale. I got my dream, baby! That'd be <laughs> awesome. I would be. It's not going to happen. But I'll dream until they both have a loss. Who you got, Yak? Jeff. What does Jeff have? We might have one inch of dust on the national championship trophy, but it's better than having one inch of dust on the shelf where you plan on putting the national championship trophy. BYU's dream, out of second. Huge dream, working on the first. <laughs> I like it. It's creative, but it's not the way college football is set up. you got to be in a power five. They're not giving you the trophy without being in a power five. No, but I think that maybe I'm naive here, but I think that BYU can play themselves into a berth into a Power Five. I think that's what it's going to have to be. Right, but I thought we were talking dreams for the season. You want to go long term that they get into the Big Twelve and they're in a Power Five league? Absolutely, that's okay. absolutely so, that's a long term so dream. They're eleven and zero, and they get in now. It's not new today. And it's, uh, what are we still, like, four or five years away from conference realignment? Well, maybe they get a jump. Who's to say the Big 12 doesn't reconsider next year? I like BYU, they need a 12th. Missouri, Arkansas, you want to come home? One of you, not both. Both would not be helpful. One would be helpful. Yeah, but I don't necessarily know that you have to have an even amount of teams. I think that's what they're thinking. I'd agree you don't have to, but I think that's what they're thinking. Yeah, but they also haven't had the Cougars be all that relevant in November and December to demand it. Hans Olsen, co-host Hans and Scotty Show, talking college football, preseason expectations, and dreams. Next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.